This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Amen, amen, amen. I go back to that song. We don't have to sing it. I'm just saying, living he loved me. How many of you know the Lord loved you? Died and he saved us. You can't forget that time of burial and baptism. But then you can't forget that third day. Come on, somebody. I can't forget the third day. Rise and he justified. He freed me forever. My worship is freed. My home is free. You know what I'm happy to say is that you do not have to live in addiction, in bondage. I don't care what that addiction is. I said, I don't care what that addiction is. Can I just be real for a moment? It can be drugs. It can be pornography. It can be, Brother Sanchez, I wasn't looking at you when I said pornography, brother. Don't take offense. I got to be sensitive who I look at when I say they they think I'm talking to them. I'll just look at Brother Runyon, you know. God can free you from no matter what it is. Because the Bible doesn't say who that the Son has set free in these things is free indeed. He just simply said, he covers it all. And he says, he who that the Son sets free, there's no qualifications. He says, you are free indeed. Because here's what, what's happened in the spirit sometimes. And I, what I feel in the presence of the Lord today is that when the Holy Ghost begins to move, people hide their addictions. They begin to hide sin. But guess what? I prayed a prayer today that whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And I prayed before service, whatever shall be loosed shall be loosed. And then we resisted the devil this morning. We're bi- we bound him and tell- told him he has no authority in this room. I said the devil has no authority to talk to you, to entrap you, to deceive you. He has no authority. God created you in his image, not the devil's image. I said God created you in his image. and He died once for all. And that blood that he shed is still speaking in this room right now. That blood is still speaking. We're going to pray before our classes are dismissed. Young people will be staying in here, but our classes are going to be dismissed. We're going to pray. I want you to pray for the Sunday school teachers. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for your neighbor. And I want us to pray, he that the sun sets free. I feel like somebody's going to be free here today. You are not here by accident. And if I preach right down your alley, I pray that you pray the prayer of David. Let not anything keep me from your presence today, God. You may get uncomfortable. Maybe you're already uncomfortable. I'm going to tear down that wall and say, Jesus is coming down your road. I said, Jesus is coming down your road. Let's pray right now. Jesus, mighty God. in this room in a valley of decision. They wouldn't be here if there wasn't a decision to be made. Let them go to a mountaintop with you, Jesus. Let there be a time of prayer. 
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Our children are dismissed. Our teachers, young people will be in here today. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Before I read a scripture, you can be seated. I want to say thank you to everyone that has worked so hard this week. Um, we appreciate that. Got the carpet, the platform extended this week. And um, everybody that worked and helped, I say thank you uh, very, very much for your dedication and your willingness to be a part. And um, I want to say a, a huge thank you to Brother Isaac Sanchez. God bless you. You be here. And um, he is a, an incredibly gifted young man. And he gives all that to the kingdom of God. And man, I just, that just, it's incredible. And we appreciate that. Here in a little while, he has to leave after this service. And he is preaching for his dad today. Am I right on that, brother? And um, preaching for his father. And, um, and we just pray that God anoints his life. Amen. Anoints that ministry here this afternoon. And um, he's got to escape kind of quickly after service. But if you can grab him and say thank you, that'd probably be in order. And, um, and so we appreciate him very much. But I'm also thankful you're here. Clay and Jessica, thank you for being here today. I love you guys. And um, appreciate you're your here. And uh, Clay got a promotion a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to brag on him a minute. Now he's really uncomfortable, so we'll move on. Nathan, it's good to see you. You think you can hide all the way over in the corner, but I see you, buddy. Yeah. Sister Yolanda, good to see you. God bless you. And Sister Zeddy Hoyle is here today, too. Amen. So thankful you're here. I'm so thankful everybody else is here, too. And um, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's get into the word of the Lord today. Um, yeah, I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm again, so get over it. I've preached on this a few times, and um, sometimes the Lord just continues to uncover some things, and, and I'm just going to reference it. We're not going to dig into each verse by verse, but we're going to take one out and, and use it. So if you can stand with me, and we're going to read Psalms 23 and um, go through this verse. And um, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Six verses. Don't have to worry about it. Read the whole chapter. Thank you, Ren, for laughing at my silly jokes. Appreciate that. Psalms 23, 1 through 6. And the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody be thankful for the shepherd. I shall not want. Man, that scripture is so stinking good. This week I was praying that I was here at the prayer meeting on Tuesdays. If you're available on during the day, I understand most can't, but we have an incredible time of prayer here on Tuesday from 12 to 1. Usually between 6 and 8 people will come, and uh, we're so thankful that, you, that those that can make it. But I was praying in this scripture, and this is not necessarily in my notes today, but what to preach. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to want. In fact, I don't want to want. I want you to just let that sink in. I don't want to want what I want. That's going to turn into like a tongue twister here in a minute. What do you mean by that? Because when I'm so close to God, all my selfish desires go out the door. You know what a good measuring spiritual thermometer you have, you can measure your life with, is selfishness. Are your prayers selfish? Is your life selfish? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, I don't have to want. Because when I pray, I pray not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible says it teaches us to pray. And it also says not to pray amiss. How do I not miss the mark on praying? Is I get so close to God, I want his desires over anything else. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift come from. So I might as well pray what the Lord will have me to pray. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down 
in green pastures. I'm glad they're not burnt pastures and dirt pastures. Green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Hmm. I'm glad he didn't leave out the last four words of that verse. For his name's sake. He does it for his name. Not for your name. He leads me into righteous because his name. We may preach this whole chapter. I don't know. Even though I walk through the valley. Everybody say the valley. Look to your neighbor and say valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Ain't going to do it. I will fear no evil. And I'm glad he didn't leave out the rest of this verse. For you are with me. Thy rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence. I'm in the valley. The enemy's all around me. The Lord has prepared something for me in the midst of all that mess. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall, everybody say shall, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say amen. Amen. Let's pray. And uh, God's going to do a great work here today in your life. I declare that in Jesus' name right now. Let's pray. Jesus. I'm submitting as your voice here today. We need you today, Jesus. Lord, I feel in the presence of God that there are people that are bound in this room. I can feel it. I feel questions coming right now in the name of Jesus. There, Lord, there, I can feel it. I, I, I feel it in the, in the spirit right now, Jesus, that there are people in this room that are questioning this whole apostolic faith. That are questioning, is this even the right way to go? That are questioning their very life. Maybe some are questioning, Lord, is there really one Lord? Some are questioning, do they really need to be baptized in Jesus' name? Lord, there are some in this room that really are questioning the whole gift of the Holy Ghost and speaking in the tongues because according to this world, that's just straight weird. But Lord, we're in your presence. And I ask you, God, to begin to sweep this place with revelation from the left side to the right side. And let us not de deny your presence here today. Let it be not something that is just conjured up and not professionally done, but let it come from the heart and the soul of the people in this room that are praying and seeking God. Lord, I love you, Jesus. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. There are many testimonies that are in this room here today of God's provision and God's hand. And, and I'm just going to start off by saying that, uh, um, and I don't want to embarrass anybody or, you know, I do that anyway. I say I don't want to, but I end up doing that, so I probably shouldn't say that. But um, we were, uh, Brother Arnold Calhoun, myself, I think Ellie went and Brother Barkley went, we went up to, um, uh, the Hornbeck's home to help load up some things and Brother um, Barkley went to look at the, some AC issues and and um, just before the house was sold just kind of going through some things and he noticed something in the AC unit and that that AC unit was getting so hot you correct me if I'm wrong Brother Barkley that it was so hot that it was melting a plastic pan the drain pan. It was keeping the drain pan from draining. And he told me, Brother Barkey, tell me if I'm wrong, but the, that drain pan will start to melt at 300 degrees. Over 300 degrees. 
And the insulation inside, and I, I saw it, the insulation inside that AC unit was black. And it's a gas furnace. You can't tell me there's not a God. Brother Barkley said, I've never seen anything like that before. And he says, there's no question in my mind that this is a miracle, that this house and this family is still here today. You can say, well, you can say what you want, but that pan, that plastic pan was melted away because of the heat. And that could have caught up in flames at any moment at three, over 300 degrees, and it started to melt. And it was melted, but yet it was still somewhat functioning, and it was keeping them warm and keeping them cool. I don't know how God does things, but God rules science and physics. I said, God rules science and physics. And he can put a hand up when something is supposed to do one thing. God can put a hand up and say, no, that is not going to happen. We find that in Scripture when Moses was taking the children of Israel across the Red Sea. He could allow them to walk on water, but what he did is allow them to walk on dry ground with walls of water. You say that was just a story, that was just something. No, that is fact, and that is something that did happen. And God put his hand up, and when, when this world and gravity said one thing, God put his hand up and says, I'm going to defy science, defy gravity. I'm going to defy what you think should happen, and I'm going to stop something in its tracks so you can have provision in your life to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. God shows us, shows us his glory for a reason. God manifests himself in ways that are there for us to recognize that God is still on the throne. There are many testimonies that have come when we started doing that giving series. And, and uh, Sister Charlene, where are you? Do you mind sharing something about that? Do you mind saying something? Come up here, sis. I did not ask her uh, before service, and I just felt like the Lord was going to go this direction here today. So come on up here, and I want you to share what you told me. Is that okay? Okay. She's like, yeah, okay, it's good. <laughs> um, I have always been confused about the tithing and offerings and stuff, and I thought, you know, as long as you helped, you know, it wasn't about the money situation. And then when I did the Wednesday night thing, I prayed and I said, God, you know, it, help me, you know, help me to do your will. So um, I've been at my job. This is uh, the fourth school year and nothing's changed. I don't get any extra overtime stuff or, you know, just same routine and stuff. And um, I got my check and... I was like, hold on a minute. And my check was literally almost to the dollar after taking out my ties, what I would normally make, what I would normally bring home. So I was like, well, thank you, Jesus. And I was so excited about that, I had to tell everybody. Well, then uh, I've had the same health insurance for many, many years. And day before yesterday, I went and checked the mail because we had you know, been on vacation. I opened the mail, and I had a check from my insurance company saying, oh, you overpaid. And, you know, here's a check for $50. And then next month you only owe, you know, so much. And it, it was $15 less than what I would normally owe. So once again, you know, my tithing $70. So God provided me with 65 of it back, you know. So he just is always a way maker. You know, he is, he is completely, you know. You know, I could, you would probably think if I told you all my testimonies that I was exaggerating or there's no way or, you know, whatever. But, you know, a lot of you know I had renal cell carcinoma, which is kidney cancer. Um, they removed three-fourths of my right kidney in 07. And um, I was having severe stomach pains and stuff just not too long ago. It was back in July and I couldn't sleep, it, it was constant for three days, so I went to the emergency room, and they done um, a bunch of tests and ultrasounds, and the lady said, ma'am, didn't you say you had renal cell carcinoma? And I said, yeah, and she said, are you sure it was your right kidney? And I said, yeah, I'm sure, I'm positive. 
And she said, well, how much did you say they removed? And I said, they removed three-fourths. They was only supposed to remove half, but I started hemorrhaging, and where the tumor was, they had to take more than that. And she said, ma'am, your kidney is measuring normal. And I was like, really? So, you know, that... I just have so much to thank him for. And I wasn't always, you know, he done so much for me and I would always stray away. And you know, he just never left me or forsaken me. And I just thank him for it. Well Amen. Let's give God some praise right now. If it had not been for the Lord, come on somebody, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, the Lord does things like that for a reason. He raises his hand in the face when science says one thing and the law of your paycheck is one thing. And God seems to raise his hand and say, no, this is what's going to happen. I go back to Genesis 1. There are several things. And what God simply says, and God said. And then there was. Matthew or Genesis 1 is full of the and God said moments. I read chapter number, verse number 1 of Genesis 1 at the beginning of, uh, of, of our prayer time today. And I'm sorry, Zach, or, uh, I'm going to go back to Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created. Everybody say created. created. Here's where that word came into Sister Charlene's body. God created. I said God created a kidney. Kidneys don't grow back according to science, but God says my creative hand is going to create something that was not supposed to be there, to be there. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But I'm thankful that God didn't stop creating. God does not stop healing. God does not stop delivering. God does not stop doing what he started doing in the book of Acts or in the book of Genesis or, or the book of Psalms. God is still in the business of creating some things in our lives. Bible teaches us that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. But the Bible also says He is no respecter of person. If God did it for Charlene, He can do it for you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said if God can do it for her, God is no respecter of person. And if God can perform a miracle for her, God can perform a miracle for me. And guess what? He can do it right now. I feel faith rising up in this room. I said he can do it right now. I'm going to, we may not even get to the message today. I, I, I feel as though there are some things that are happening in some of the families in our church. And it pains me. And, it, and my, I, I try to, in prayer, carry those burdens with you. And I, I try to pray for you. But guess what? God is going to do something in your life. And it's going to start today. Some of y'all been praying for your family members. God's going to restore your family in Jesus' name. God's going to, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. The Lord is a heavy load sharer. We say that a lot. But some of us are carrying a load right now. And I feel that in the presence of God. And I'm, I want to address that. Is that okay? I, I'm, I'm not a, a prophet. I, I'm, not a, I'm, just, I'm just talking to you today. That some of you are carrying a heavy 
load right now. And I, the Lord wants to pick that load up off your life and carry that with you. Yeah, you're still going to have to deal with some things, but the load is going to be lifted. Because this is what the devil tries to do. When there is a load on our life, it does something to our mind. It does something to our heart. It causes us to think only on the load and not on the thing that God has for us. It causes us to stay focused on the load or the situation. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get so enthralled in the situation that you can't think of anything else. You're waking up in the middle of the night. You wake up in the morning, it's on your mind. You go to bed at night, it's on your mind. You talk to your spouse about it. You want to talk to somebody else about it. There's all these things, and there's nothing wrong with talking about it, and we need to do those things. But the Bible, an old song says this, just a little talk with Jesus. It doesn't have to be complicated, that talk with Jesus. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out deal. It just says, God, I'm tired of carrying this. And if you don't mind today, Lord, I'm going to ask your kingdom to come and rest upon my life. And, and let that rest be a rest to me because I'm pretty weary of carrying this right now. And I could use that load lifted off of me. I could use that, that pain that I'm feeling right now to lift that off. Because, Lord, I need a little bit of peace. I, I need a little bit of joy. I need something greater than what I got right now. So, Lord, I want your will to be done. But I need your presence. There are some, maybe just one in this room today, and maybe I'm just saying this for the one, that you feel like you could never come back to God. You feel like you can never go to an altar because if you do, you know, the devil's going to attack you, and when you walk out that door, you're going to live the same way again. I'm here to tell you today, it don't have to be that way. I said it don't have to be that way. I said it don't have to be that way. That is nothing but a lie from the devil. It is nothing but deception coming into our spirit. The Bible says he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Yeah, I got to live it out. But guess what? I got the presence of God by my side. And where my feet go, God is with me. And I will have the power to overcome the temptations that come my way. Psalms chapter number 23, verse number 4. Even though, everybody say even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me, let me get into this just a little bit here today. Have you ever noticed driving down the road that you'll drive and then there's like a hill and there's a valley, there's a hill and there's a valley and a hill and a valley. And especially if you go in the mountains, there's a lot of big hills and you have to wonder. It's beautiful on the mountaintop, but I've noticed something that is not there on the mountaintop. There's typically not a lot of people that live on the mountaintop. But if you go down in the valley, there are a lot of cities in the valley. There is, because that's where the stream is. That's where the people commune. That's where there's flat land, if you will. When we were driving to Washington, D.C. a couple years ago, we was going through some of the East Coast states, and it was so beautiful in the mountaintop because perhaps there was nobody there. And you can look down into the valley and you can see the vastness and how beautiful it was. And they have turnoffs where you can go off to the side of the road and go to the railing and look at the beauty and all the majesty. But there are no turnoffs in the valley. There are no scenic places to stand in the midst of the city. There are no scenic turnoffs in the midst where there's a gas station, there's a grocery store. There is commercial buildings. There is no turnoff that says, stop here for a good scenic view. There's none of that there because there's people there and you can see it all around you. 
When we go on vacations, many of us have gone to the mountaintop. You'll go to Colorado. You'll go to places, Yosemite National Park. You'll go to Lake Placid. You may go to Gatlinburg or you may go to Pigeon Forge. You may go to Branson. Go to, and then you find yourself in a hotel perhaps. You take a vic- picture and Lucinda took a beautiful picture this past week. She was in a hotel and saw the tops of the trees. and It was such a beautiful view. I venture to say if that view out of that window was a commercial building, she probably wouldn't have took that picture. I'd venture to say that she, if it was just a, a, another brick building next to her, it would not be a really picture worth posting on social media. But she was in a view, and she saw this vastness. She saw this relaxation look, as she saw this beauty and majesty and took this picture for everyone else to enjoy. You see, we go to the mountains to gain perspective. We go to the mountaintop for refreshing and get renewed. But we cannot live there. I said we can't live there. Now, there's no doubt you would love to live on a house on the side of a hill, on the side of a mountain, but that is very few and far between. Isaiah 55, verse number 11 and 12, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. And to whom he says, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I do not have to go to, and there's nothing wrong with it. I was kind of jealous that they were there and I wasn't. But I don't have to go to Pigeon Forge to get rest. I don't have to go to the Poconos to get rest. I don't have to go to Brown County somewhere in a cabin to get rest. I need to know where my rest and my help comes from. And that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this is the refreshing. I'm not preaching against vacations. I am thankful for those vacations. I am thankful for the mountains. It seems the miraculous and the spectacular happens in the mountain. The glory moments in Scripture happen in the mountain. The miracles raising your faith, those are mountain moments. What Charlene testified about, that is a mountain moment. That is a moment we can go back to and I say, I remember when God raised a burden off my life and God restored something. God gave me a refreshing in his presence. You see, receiving a word from God in prayer, falling on your face in worship, having the call of God upon your life are all refreshing moments. Genesis chapter number 8, verse number 4, after the global flood, the ark of Noah rested here on Mount Ariat till the water subdued. And after that, everyone in the ark came out and they offered a sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. That sacrifice, that place of salvation, that place of landing was on a mountaintop. You see, salvation happens, and that's a mountaintop experience. He built an ark in the valley. I said he built the ark in the valley. He had to live with accusations in the valley. He had to be made fun of in the valley because that's what everybody's at. But he was saved on the mountaintop. He built the ark in the valley but he was planted on the mountaintop. Genesis chapter number 22, verse 2, Mount Moriah. This is the place where Abraham offered, uh, offered Isaac. Eventually, in the reign of King Solomon, his temple for God was built over there in 2 Chronicles 3, talking about Mount Moriah. Mount Sinai, this is where God gave the Ten Commandments uh, to Moses. All the people were in the valley, but Moses went to a mountaintop experience and got a refreshed word of God. Mount Carmel, this mountain was a showdown between Elijah and the prophet of God or the prophet of God versus Baal's prophets in 1 Kings 18. So when your enemy challenges you, take them to the mountaintop. I said take your enemy to the mountaintop. I don't want to get ahead of myself. You need to take them to the mountaintop. You know, when the enemy comes against you, Charlene, and he says God doesn't heal, he said, wait a second. Let me take you back on memory lane and tell you, remind you what God did in a moment. When God created a new kidney for my body, when God provided a, a money for my family, let me remind you of that mountaintop. 
Because he will come to you and try to devour you like everybody else in the valley. And you may be in that valley of the shadow of death, but I do not have to fear because the Lord presence of God is with me. And he will fight my battles. So when the enemy comes to challenge us, take him to the mountain of victory. The Mount of Beatitudes, Matthew chapter number 5. Scholars point out this place is located but within the vicinity of Capernaum where the greatest sermon ever delivered by Christ himself. Matthew 5, verse number 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Where was this message being preached? It was preached on a mountaintop. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in hearts for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Sounds like Noah. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have got to go back to the mountain in scripture and get a little bit of word when I don't have peace. I can go to a mountaintop of a word from Jesus himself and say, you don't have peace, I can give you peace. They're coming against you, but let me come against them in the name of Jesus Christ. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. The greatest mountain in the Bible, Mount Calvary. Galgotha was a place of the skull. This mountain, technically it's a hill like the Mount of Beatitudes, but this is where the Lord and the Savior was nailed to the cross and died for your and my sins. Mount of Olivet, lots of events in Jesus' early ministry occurred here. Most notably events is on the place Jesus ascended back to heaven. Why are these two things very important? Mark 15 and Acts 1. Because when Jesus died on a cross. That was the greatest mountain to ever be taken. That was the greatest hill that would ever be taken. That when the devil comes against me, I can take him to the cross. And on my way to the cross, the devil can't follow me to the cross. The devil's sins cannot be remitted, but my sins can be remitted. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new when I begin to go up that mountain. When I begin to go and find him. I'm reminded of a song. It says, take me back to that old landmark, the place where I first believed. The devil will try to convince us that place that we begin to acknowledge God for the very first time did not really exist. It was just a bunch of bunch of mumbo jumbo and it was a bunch of uh, just, just your emotionalism and there was really nothing to it because it left you still empty but oh, I'm coming against the devil today. And the time that you first believed in Jesus Christ uh, was a reward. You need to go back to that time of prayer. Go back to that mountain and say, devil, you can't follow me here because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. See, after that mountain moment, the short-lived vacation, it seems like that vacation, when you get there, you got a whole week, but at the end of the week, all of a sudden, it's gone, and you're left like, oh, you could really stay here for a few more days. And then you begin to weigh, would my boss mind if I called in one more day? Who's ever thought about that? Would my boss mind if I we stayed here one more day. Maybe I could tell him that the car broke down. No, we don't lie around here. Matthew 17, verse number 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless 
and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me and Jesus rebuked the devil. That's what we need to do first off a lot of times is just to put the devil smack dab in his place. Remember the pit that he is going to. Remember the mountain that Jesus died from and rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and a child was cured from that very hour. Everybody say that very hour. Everybody say he was cured. That very hour and then came the disciples to Jesus and said, "What? why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said something very profound. Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to this yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer. Prayer and fasting. You know what happens when you come off a mountain of prayer and a mountain of fasting? You can whoop any devil. You can whoop any sickness. You can whoop anybody that comes your way. But sometimes we get so far removed from that mountain of prayer that we allow the devil to start whooping up on us. We start allowing the devil to put us in our place. If we get so far from the presence of God, we feel like we can never come back. But sometimes we got to be like the prodigal and get up out of that pig slop of the world and say, I am through with all this mess. I know a father that has a good gift for me. And yeah, I spent everything I had. But oh, I need Jesus. I, I need my father. I got to go back to the place where I know they love me. I got to go back to the place place well I know they will care for me so what are these glory moments of miracles these glory moments that God has given us they are mountain experiences they are mountain experiences when Noah was taking the children of Israel and he was taking them to Mount Sinai Moses would go up to the top of that mountain and get a word from the Lord. But he told the children of Israel to stay in the valley. Sometimes we need to get alone with God. I said sometimes we need to get alone with God. And I'm going to say this, and, and I, I don't want to come across wrong, but there is a difference between isolation. I forgot the other word. And uh, I'll remember it here in a second. Isolation is when you go be by yourself and you don't want nobody else around you. But there is something about when you get alone with God, that's not isolation. I'll think of it here in a second. I got it written down on my phone. Hold on a second. We're going to take a time out. Somebody play some Jeopardy music here real quick. Uh, no, don't, you don't have to. I knew somebody would do that. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Isolation means I can't stand anybody. I don't want to be around anybody right now. And there was moments when we feel that way. But we, we got to get away from the crowd, so to speak. But we want to go somewhere where we get alone with somebody that can be a help to us. A place of solitude. A place that you can allow the Lord to speak to us. A, a place that we can allow the Lord to, to refresh us. A place that we can allow the Lord to heal us. A place that we can allow the Lord to take his rod and his staff to comfort us. Yeah, it doesn't, it hurts sometimes to be smacked by a rod or a staff, but that is comforting to know that somebody is looking out for me, looking out for my future, looking out for my past that's trying to devour me, looking out for the the enemy that's trying to destroy me. But I'm here to tell you today, we cannot forget the mountains in the midst of the valley. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What are the mountain experiences? 
Mountain experiences, again, are places of healing, places of salvation, places of, of, of provision, a place that God takes the hardship and lifts that off of our life. It is a place to gain perspective. It's a place that we can get renewed. It's a place that Isaiah called refreshing. It's a place that we can get a word from God. It's a place where we can fall on our face in worship. It's a place like 7754 Cobble Springs Drive that we can come and worship the Lord. But I am just, I can't, I can't uh, I, I get to the place where I, I can't fool myself to think that we don't walk in the valley more than we walk on the mountaintop. We can get supercharged. We can, we can dance and we can receive a word from the Lord. But many of us are going to walk out of here still carrying the same load, still carrying the same disappointment. But guess what? You don't have to allow that disappointment to rule your thoughts and rule your life and diminish your family. But what I'm here to tell you today is take that mountaintop experience and carry it with you. And when the devil, the deceiver, and the liar begins to come up against you, you should Show him a picture of that mountaintop experience. And you say, get behind me, Satan. Get me, get behind the child of God. I am set apart for the glory. I'm set apart for the majesty. I'm set apart for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're set apart. Everybody say, we're set apart. Here's what I know. God will not prove himself to you until you can accept and believe that he is. God will not prove himself to you until you can accept and believe in the beginning God. Some of you are trying to weigh that in your spiritual intuition. Is that really true? If you don't believe that there is a God... And if you don't believe in anything of the Holy Ghost, or if you don't believe that your sins could be washed away, number one, that you're being deceived. There is a God. His name is Jesus. He robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. And he wants to show you how powerful he is. This is what I know is that I have seen people that come to know who Jesus is and they come to the revelation and something changes about their attitude. Something changes about their home. Their life changes. Their spirit changes. Everything, their perception changes. Why? Because they went to a mountaintop with a revelation of Jesus. And they were um, got out of the monks of the stuff. They got away from the people. They got away from one perspective. And God put them on a plateau, if you will. God went with them on a mountaintop and gave you a whole new perspective. Now, I like Google Maps. One thing wonderful about Google Maps is it gave me a different perspective. When I'm in a city, and I, we went to Washington, D.C. a couple years ago, and the whole city confused me. Driving down the road, the roads and the highways confused me. I told my wife, I said, I never want to come back here again. I said, this whole town's confusing. But I got on Google Maps, and I opened up a map of the city so I can look down upon it. And I thought, oh, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I understand why that goes that way. Oh, that's where that is. That's where the White House is. That's where the Pentagon is. That's where the, 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 uh, the War Memorial is. That's where all that's, this is where we are. What happens is, is when we get into a mountaintop with Christ, it gives us a new perspective on things. We begin to see things a little bit differently. We begin to understand where we are and where the enemy is and where our situation is and the things that are, and what happens is it brings a sense of order and peace into our life. But many of us are afraid of the solitude with God. We're afraid of the emotion that may happen. We're afraid if God puts his hand up in our life and God begins to take control, if you will, and begins to do things in our life that we have never seen before, what will happen? Let me tell you what will happen. This is what I know. I will sing, live and he loved me a little bit differently. There is a difference in a song. Can I just be real for a moment? 
from somebody who is saved can sing that song and dance. And I can't dance. But somebody singing that song, they can have victory in Jesus. But other folks don't understand that song because they don't have the perspective of living he loved me. Died and he saved me. Buried and he carried. Took that burden of sin. Lifted up off my life. Buried. He carried my sins far away. And then rising, he justified. Freed me forever. Oh, what a glorious day. What are you saying, Pastor? It's all about perspective when you get on the mountaintop. I said, when you get on the mountaintop, you get a different kind of perspective. I don't know about you, but there are some people who say, you got to go to this place. You got to go to this place. You got to go to that place. You got to go to this place to get somebody. It's the greatest place. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go there just because you said it. I don't want to go to that place just because you said something and you're trying to tell me what I do and do not like. How many of y'all been there? Any other stubborn people in here? You're like me. You'll like this. Just try it. Just do this. And you're like, no, no, no. And then finally you do it and you try it. And you're like, that wasn't half bad. Well, let me tell you, try Jesus. He ain't half bad. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. He will weigh you down with benefits. He'll give you perfect peace. He'll give you joy when you rise up in the morning. And when things come against you to eat up your flesh, guess what? Now they stumble and they fall. Because I am now filled and empowered by the presence of the Almighty God. So I'm here to tell you today, you need a mountaintop experience with Jesus Christ. And when you come off that mountaintop experience and talking to the Lord, and the Lord refreshes you with his presence, you'll walk down and you'll have a new perspective. I see you, devil. I come equipped with something greater than I had before. I come equipped with something that you have never come. You see something new in me. I know I can see the look in your eye, but I'm going to come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why did David say what he said? You come to me with a sword and a spear, and now that you may be nine foot tall, Goliath, but I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ because my daddy is bigger than your daddy. I said, my daddy is bigger than your daddy. You come against trying to intimidate me. Come on, devil. I got something of the word of God in my life. And I've had a mountain experience with Jesus. So even though, as the music comes, even though I walk. Everybody say, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I do not have to fear no evil because thou art with me. Here's the mentality of the world. Well, I can handle this. Oh, you can. I just choose not to. I can handle the distresses and the worry of life. I can handle those. I can take them on. I just choose not to. I choose to take them to the Lord in prayer and see what the Lord will do with it. I just want to give it to God. I just want to say, God, you know, hey, I know you got a different perspective than me. And I, I know you see everything else that's going on in my life, and I just see this little bitty thing. And since you have a better perspective than I do, can you download a little bit of that perspective? Can you, can you help me see what I don't see? It's like the prophet in the Old Testament took his servant upon the wall and the enemy was encamped around that city. And that prophet had a big smile on his face. Yeah. And the servant goes, hey, what are you so excited about? Don't you see this army that is sieging this city? Don't you see what's going on? The prophet says, oh, but you don't see what I see. I see an army of the Lord surrounding that army. Daniel and the lions then had a new perspective. Those lions, those frustrated lions, 
the Bible says that, the, that God, he, he closed the mouth of the lions. He did not make their bones weak. He did not make the muscles in those lions weak. He closed their mouth, which shut down the rest of their body. You take the teeth out of the devil, and you'll see him run from you. I, I, I think it's funny, but every time the devil comes to try to eat up my flesh, he's trying to gum me to death. Because I'm a child of God, and I've ripped the teeth right out of his mouth. You can try to take a bite if you want, but the Bible says you're going to take eat the dust of this old body. You're going to eat just the, where I walk. You're just going to have to deal with the dust that comes up under my feet. What are you saying, Pastor? When you get alone with God, he'll give you a new perspective. Daniel had nothing to worry about. Those lions were probably walking around. They were so pitiful. Bible didn't say that the Lord closed closed up their hunger. The devil wants to devour you, but he can't. (laughs) The devil wants to deceive you, but he can't. The devil wants to have you, but guess what? He can't. Because when you get a made-up mind, when you get up like David and say, for me and my house, for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Yeah. I'm going to raise my head. Some of us walk around like panty-waisted Christians. I don't see a child of God with their head down. I see a child of God with their shoulders back, with a little confidence in their step. Lord, you said you're a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You said the steps of a good man who ordered of the Lord. Lord, you see things differently than I do. And if this is where you want me to go, I'm going to go. This is what I know, that you are here for a reason. Some of you are carrying some heavy burdens, and your answer is a mountaintop experience with God. Matthew chapter number 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the brokenhearted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You need a word from God from a mountain. And the mountain is an altar. It's a place that you can go in a place of solitude with the Lord. And if you need mercy, you can obtain mercy. If you need peace, the Bible says you are called the children of God. You have people that have been reviling you and persecuting you. And they're making fun of you because you're a child of God. You need to come to this altar and rejoice. What? What? This is what this is what I know. Sister Kyra, you need to rejoice. Pastor, it's hard to rejoice in the midst of heartache. It's hard to rejoice when people are trying to destroy everything that I have. But that just tells me my steps are being ordered of the Lord. Because I'm like Noah. I'm building an ark in the valley, but God's going to save me on a mountaintop. family 
This is what I know. God wants to give you joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have got health problems. Some of you have got decisions you got to make. Some of you are going to go home to an ungodly home, but you want to live for the Lord, and you're afraid to talk about what you, how you want to live, so you're almost, you feel like you're living two lives. Let me tell you today, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. We just need a mountaintop experience today. Let's stand together in this room. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.